0: You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hey everybody, my name is Scott O'Donaho. I'm one of the pastors of The Village Church that gathers in downtown Hamilton, Ohio. And this is episode number six in a series of episodes kind of recapping some of the content from a class we're currently walking through in May of 2021 called Not Our Own, where we're hoping to cultivate clarity and compassion and an evangelistic community through conversations about gender and sexuality. If you've not listened to the first five episodes, I would encourage you to do that. Um, They are foundational for kind of where we are moving along uh, in this conversation. Last time, we started talking about uh, just the scriptures that hit on same-sex sexuality and we looked at uh, a couple of passages in the old testament today uh, we're going to start looking at what the new testament uh, has to say about same-sex sexuality so we're going to do a couple of episodes actually about the new testament Um, we'll get into some weeds and stuff today and also next week a little bit as well Um, but Today, I want to look at two passages that are related uh, in terms of a very contentious Greek word. Um, And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, and we'll also look at 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11. And I'm actually going to read both of those right now, um, so uh, we know what we're getting into. So this is 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? "...do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God." So that was 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I want now to read 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Now we know that the law is good, if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy and the profane. For those who strike their fathers and their mothers for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. All right, Uh, so these two passages, they introduce us to... uh, a very important conversation about a very particular Greek word, arsenikoites. Um, There's a a popular question that you might hear uh, from time to time. If you Google this uh, at some point when you're trying to research about uh, sexuality in the Bible, um, you might come across this question of, man, is is homosexuality, is that word really in the Bible? Uh, Or is the word homosexual really in the Bible anywhere? In fact, there's a a whole movie, there's a documentary coming out, uh, and maybe it's already come out or it is coming out in the near future, called 1946. That's all about how the mistranslation of this one word, uh, actually set the church on this unhelpful, unhealthy trajectory um, that, that put itself in opposition to the culture, And has actually done lots of harm to the LGBTQ community. So, um, we are going to spend some time looking at this particular word. And and so, here's how it's translated uh, arsenicoites across various translations. uh, In what I just read to you, which was from the ESV, um, men who practice homosexuality. That's how this word, arsenicoites, is translated. Uh, In the NIV, um, it means those uh, who are practicing homosexuality. In the NASB, it's translated as simply homosexuals. And then uh, here's my uh, my preferred translation, which is from the uh, CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, They translate this word as males who have sex with males. All right, so those are some of the various ways that this one Greek word is translated across various English translations. Um, so some would say uh, that that this word, arsenicoites, is referring to abusive, non-consensual, same-sex sexual behavior or relationships, or maybe it's referring to, to cult practices, which we hit on a little bit last week when we looked at uh, the Old Testament. Um, or others would say that we simply can't know what this word actually means. Um, so those are two arguments. Uh, just to clarify, um, they can't stand together. <laughs> either either we know that the word doesn't mean something or we know that it, it. we can't know what it means, right? Either it means this or we can't know what it means. Those two arguments can't stand together. But these both are things that as, uh, again, if you're researching, if you're Googling, listening to podcasts, reading stuff, some folks will put forward these arguments that, that it's referring to something beyond uh, just kind of loving, monogamous, same-sex relationships, or that we simply can't know what this word means. So, we're going to spend some time digging into this particular word, all right? So, um, the weird thing about the word "arsenicoites" is that we don't see this word in Greek literature at all before Paul uses it uh, here in his letters to the Corinthians and to Timothy, All right, so uh, brings about a valid question of how can we be sure of what it means if literally the first time we we see this word is in Paul's letter. Uh, Just for context, um, this is not the only time Paul does something like this. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he uses the Greek word uh, Uh, which means entirely, uh, and and that's used nowhere else in the New Testament or even in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That word isn't used anywhere else uh, in the Greek versions of the scriptures. Um, And in Colossians 2.11, he uses the word uh, which means putting off the body. Uh, And that word occurs literally nowhere else in Greek literature in general, period. Uh, Arsacotes at least shows up later uh, in some other literature, but this word in Colossians 2:11, um, it doesn't show up anywhere else in Greek literature. And yet, because of the etymology of the words, the kind of the roots of the words, where the words came from, and because of the usage of the words, their context, how they're used, um, those two things together mean that we can understand what these words mean, even though we don't see them uh, in other places. So, we can know what they mean. So, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the etymology, then, of arsenikoites, and we'll also talk about uh, its later usage as well, to see if we can kind of stitch together some meaning here, all right? So, uh, the etymology of arsenikoites, the the root of the word. Um, If you remember when we talked about uh, the word for suitable or fit, Back in Genesis, when God wanted to make a partner that was suitable for Adam or fit for Adam, Um, that was a compound word in the Hebrew, Uh, a a word that meant alike and a word that meant opposite or against. Those two words put together made the Hebrew word um, for suitable or fit. The same thing is true for this word, arsenicoites. It comes from the word arson, which uh, is Greek for male, um, like the, the biological sex, not uh not an adult man not a young man nothing about age or status but just male in general and then it also comes from the word koites which means bed uh, and often um, this word bed has a, an explicitly sexual kind of innuendo or connotation to it depending on its use um it's actually where we get our english word for coitus uh, which which also means sex um, and so we actually have a, a couple of different examples of words in the greek um, where there is uh, another word attached to this word, koites. Um, so we have the word doulokoites. Uh, Dulos means slave. Koites means bed. And so uh, what that actually means is that uh, it's talking about males who have sex with slaves. Uh, we also have a Greek word, metrakoites, which is a combination of uh, meter, which is mother, uh, and koites, which is bed. You put them together. And that is uh, a male, uh, a man who has has sex with his mom these are established existing greek words um, that refer to men having sex with uh, with whatever the first kind of word or first part of that compound word is so the pattern for arsenikoites would be if you have male in bed put together is that it's referring to men who sleep with males men who have sex with males Um, so look, there's there's some evidence for that. Um, but this kind of thought is not always foolproof. Uh I in the class I use the example of butterfly. Um, right, if you take the the word butter and the word fly, and if you were to put those things together but try to come up with the meaning of butterfly based on butter and based on fly, you would probably get something very different uh than what we all know butterfly to mean. So that's not a foolproof way of going about understanding what Uh, what the meaning of a word is. So uh, we get to ask the question, why would Paul maybe put these two words together specifically? Like these specific words, why would he choose these to put together? Do they have like a pre-existing relationship somewhere else? So um, here's some like helpful history, kind of cool. The Old Testament, if you don't know, was written in Hebrew. Uh, But by the time of the New Testament, the common language in the day was Greek. Um, and so we actually have a translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek so that uh, readers of the New Testament time would be able to read uh, the, the Old Testament. This is actually the common translation in the time of the New Testament is this Greek translation of the Hebrew. Um, and this translation it's called the Septuagint. You may have heard of it before. If you ever see in your Bibles like a footnote that says LXX all in capital letters, Um, that's shorthand for the Septuagint. That's referring to the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Um, And so the authors of the New Testament, they they read Greek. They also wrote in Greek. And so this is very, very helpful for us because we can now, looking back at both the Greek uh, Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, we can see if the authors of the New Testament had in mind um, references to the Old Testament and the things that they were writing, because they may have used the same words or used the same phrases uh, that that were found in the Old Testament. So, super cool, super helpful. Uh, So we get to ask, man, do these two words, arson and koites, uh, do they show up together somewhere in the Greek translation of the Old Testament um, that Paul would have read, he would have taught from, he would have built his theology from? Um, Do these words exist somewhere that might have given him the idea, hey, Put these two things together, and, and folks will know what I'm referring to. Uh, and the reality is, yeah, like we see these two words show up in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and it's always referring to uh, someone sleeping with men. Uh, so in Numbers 31, 17 through 18, and in Judges 21, uh, 11 through 12, we see arson and Coites next to each other in the Greek, uh, and it's referring to women uh, who had sex with men. Uh, who slept with men. And the other two instances that we see these two words together are actually Leviticus 18.22 and Leviticus 20.13, which if you listen to the last episode that we did on same-sex sexuality in the scriptures in the Old Testament, those verses are verses that we talked about. Uh, And it refers to men who sleep with men. Uh, that's, that's the prohibition that we kind of landed on when we looked at those verses last time, is that we said, hey, uh, Leviticus seems to prohibit same-sex sexual behavior in general, uh, at least between men. And these two words, arson and koites, show up uh, by each other here in those two verses in particular. And so, man, in all instances that we see uh, arson and koites used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they're always referring to someone sleeping with other men. So based on uh, kind of its known etymology, it it likely, this word arsenikoites, it likely refers to men sleeping with other men, males sleeping with other males. Uh, So when it comes to usage, we get to ask, hey, like, is this word, is it used later? Because we know it doesn't show up uh, anywhere else in Greek literature before uh, Paul writes it or uses it in the New Testament. Does it show up later in other literature after Paul? Um, Is it used in a similar way? Um, so we can look at Jewish literature, and uh, while it shows up in some later Jewish literature, uh, the way it's used just kind of in a, a laundry list of do's and don'ts, and it doesn't really give us much clarity um, or specificity around the meaning of it. So it's not super helpful. Jewish literature at the time, uh, Christian literature, it's used multiple times as well. Um, there's actually uh, there are a couple uses. One is is mo- more significant than the others. Uh, Eusebius, who was a, a church guy, he he was around 265 to 340 AD. Um, he was actually commenting on something that someone else wrote uh, in reference to uh, people who were associated with Uh, and Eusebius, his church father, writes uh, as a comment, he says, among the Greeks, wise men who have male lovers are not condemned. So, In reference to uh, a comment that someone else had had written about people being associated with arsenikoites, Eusebius says, Hey, among the Greeks, wise men who have male lovers, they're not condemned. In other words, same-sex sexual behavior is fine. It's okay. Uh, This is a a strong context clue that arsenikoites really does mean uh, males having sex with males. Um, Origen, who was another uh, church father, he lived from 184 to, to 253 AD. He also used uh, another form of arsenokoites, um, when talking about those pursuing lusts contrary to nature, uh, which we'll actually kind of hit on that phrase a little bit in, in Romans 1. Um, and he mentions uh in a list alongside adultery and temple prostitution. So it doesn't necessarily give us a positive definition of like, hey, this is what Arsenicoitien means, uh, but What's interesting is there is a distinction from Arsenechoitian and adultery in general and from temple prostitution. Like there's a distinction between those things, which, which means that it's not either one of those. It's something else uh, that's distinct from that. So uh, that's Christian literature usage uh, down the road. And then we can even look at early Bible translations uh, from the Greek to other languages, uh, looking at Latin, looking at Coptic, looking at Syriac uh, and Latin. The word arsenicoites is translated as men who have sex with males. Uh, In the Coptic, it's sleeper with male. In Syriac, it's those who sleep with males. Um, So it seems that there is a common usage, uh, common translation, and later usage of the word arsenicoites. And so where its usage is understood, there seems to be a consensus that it means uh, men who sleep with males or males who sleep. With males, there doesn't seem to be a contrary usage uh, at this point in time. All right, so uh, let's look at the usage of of actually the passages that we started reading from First uh, Timothy uh, and First Corinthians. Are there context clues here for what it might mean? Um, in First Timothy one, which was the the second passage that we looked at, um, we know that Paul, as he's his writing this paragraph, he has the Old Testament law in mind because he He literally talks about how the law is good, (laughs) like the the law being good. That's our first clue that he has in mind, the Old Testament law. And in fact, he orders uh, the list of sins in that paragraph in the same order um, as the Ten Commandments. If you look at uh, honoring your parents, uh, not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not lying, uh, we see kind of the the flow of his sins hitting in in the same exact order as the Ten Commandments commandments, right? So he has the Old Testament law in mind. And um, it would have fit in as a violation of, uh, hey, do not commit adultery, um, right? And so uh, this gives weight. It's it's context, it's usage, what seems to be in Paul's mind. It gives weight to the existing sexual ethic carrying from the Old Testament into the time of the New Testament. And then if we look at 1 Corinthians 6, uh, man, this passage is kind of fun. It's unique a little bit because it looks the same on the outside. In our English translation, it looks exactly the same. Um, But there's actually, there are actually two Greek words underneath the hood of this passage that lots of translations combine into one phrase or or one word. Um, There's arsenicoites and there's malikoi. Um, so arsenikoites this is the word that we've been talking about today um, but there's also this word malikois or malikos, uh, which, which means soft or effeminate uh, in some ways and it's this word goes invisible um, in most translations of this passage uh, for a good reason alright so uh, in the culture of the New Testament uh, they did not have categories of gay and straight uh, they didn't have those categories of orientation uh, they talked about People being masculine and feminine. And masculinity and femininity, they had a, a particular sexual connotation about them. Uh, not exclusively, um, but in, in the context in which sex or sexuality was being discussed, masculinity and femininity had a, a very uh, sexual connotation about it. If you were masculine as it related to your sexuality, um, it meant that, that you were uh, the active partner in sex, regardless of who it's with. You could be a guy uh, and, and be in a same-sex relationship uh, with someone and and that wouldn't make you any less masculine if you were the active partner uh, in uh, in the actual sexual relations. Um, same thing is true for feminine, uh, If you, that meant that you were the passive partner in sex regardless of who you had sex with. So you could be sleeping with uh, a, a woman, but if you took on a more passive role in the sexual behavior, you would be considered more feminine. Um, so, especially in uh, male-to-male uh, same-sex sexual relationships, um, these words carried a particular connotation about them in terms of the active and the passive role. Um, and so what we see in this paragraph in 1 Corinthians 6 is that this word, malikos, uh soft, effeminate, uh, pointing to the, the more uh, passive role in sex, that this word uh, is sandwiched between the Greek word for adultery and our word arsenicoites in the Greek, it's, it's sandwiched right between the two of these words. So there's a, a literal, like a strong context, immediate context of sexuality for this particular word, uh, in particular sexual sin. And so while the translation, uh, males who have sex with males, um, it's still an accurate summary of arsenicoites um man and Malakos put together um under the hood in the greek you actually have an explicit calling out of both partners in same-sex sexual behavior you have both the active partner and the passive partner the masculine partner and the feminine partner being called out here in this paragraph which is pretty unique uh here in the greek so all that being said why would then folks continue uh, to say that homosexuality isn't in, the, isn't in the Bible or that homosexuals isn't in the scriptures, why would they say that that should never have been in the Bible? If all these things are true, um, which you can do your own research and dig in, uh, but man, if all these things are true, then why would folks still say that? And, and the reality is like, I would agree that that folks translating arsonicoites as either homosexual uh, as in the noun, like referring to someone who's gay, or um, man, homosexuality. As in the orientation, translating arsenicoites in either one of those ways is a bad translation. I would agree with people who would say that, um, and I would I would agree with them because the term is specifically about the action. It's about same sex sexual behavior. It's not about same sex attraction. It's not about same sex sexual orientation. Um, again, not a category even back in those days, and so. We, we cannot use our 21st century categories um, for translating things that, that were ancient, ancient ideas, ancient words. We, we just can't do that. Um, and we have to be mindful uh, to use their contemporary categories, their practices, right? Um, as we've mentioned before, same-sex sexual behavior, um, it wasn't merely a function of some hidden orientation or some attraction. It was... Uh, in fact, possibly seen as being even masculine at times. You didn't have to be gay to participate in some of the practices, the cultural norms and stuff like that, especially in the New Testament, um, to, to partake in same-sex sexual behavior. That orientation or attraction was not was not necessary. All right, so this is why uh, I, I like the CSB's translation of this, that it's males who have sex with males. It communicates in our language, uh, a modern meeting that, that's the same as it was then uh, and, and some uh, unfortunately have taken the, the overstepping or the uh, even like just the, the lack of, of careful translation maybe uh, of in some uh, context they've taken that uh, and, and sort of like ascribed uh, bad motivations on the translators, which, hey, maybe they did. I have no idea. I'm not them. Uh, I'm not going to judge someone else's motivation or whatever for translating words in that way. But certainly uh, many folks have then tossed the baby out with the bathwater uh, and kind of overswung, oversteered in the other direction. And so uh, I think um, that the argument that it's that this word is irrelevant, that it's referring to only some sort of coercive, um, uh, abusive behavior in some way. Like, I, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that that's what's in view in the scriptures, uh, and that that's how these words are used. Um, and I also think the argument that we simply can't know what it means, um, hopefully I've demonstrated that we can We can have a pretty good idea of what the word means based on its etymology um, and based on its usage uh, in, in other parts of Greek literature. So... Um, man, with that being said, uh, kind of look at Coitès. look at these passages of 1 Timothy 1, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, and my verdict is that these passages prohibit same-sex sexual behavior between men, at least, in general. All right? Um, so very similar to the verdict in uh, when we looked at Leviticus um, 18 and 20, um, kind of the same verdict here in 1 Timothy 1 and 1 Corinthians six. So um, I'm going to pause here for today. Uh, Next time we'll come back, we will look at Romans one and might actually hit on some of what Jesus uh, might actually say um, about same-sex sexuality as well. So thanks guys for listening. I hope these are helpful uh, and we'll see you next time.